Hello and welcome to another edition of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. I'm Reese. I'm joined today by Dan and Tim. We're back after the summer break. Um, apologies for not putting out a Dutch Grand Prix podcast. Um, unfortunately, regular life got in the way. However, to give you a family guy, Ollie Williams recap of the Dutch Grand Prix, here's Tim. Daniel Ricciardo got injured in practice. Liam Lawson came in, drove really well, beat his teammate. Pierre Gasly got a podium for Alpine. Max Verstappen won the race. And we had the most on-track overtakes for several years. Yeah, so quite the race to not do a podcast for. But it's okay because Formula One delivered once again with an absolute humdinger of a race in uh, in Italy. Qualifying was fantastic. It was the best qualifying session of the year, in my opinion, mostly because of the result. Could have been made a little bit better had uh, Charles Leclerc not been as slow as he was. But, you know, I guess I can settle for one and three. Tim, where you, what were your thoughts on qualifying? Oh, fantastic, wasn't it? Um, Ferrari delivered a competitive car. They put their drivers on track. I know, I know Charles wish he had a toe, but they put their drivers on track in the right time. They just they just didn't do anything wrong, which sounds really strange coming when we're talking about Ferrari. But yeah, it was fantastic, wasn't it? And it was so close, not just from the top two or three, but the whole field spread other than Lance Stroll was uh, very, very close in, in all three sessions. And it really, even in session two, you had Yuki Tsunoda. He was less than a tenth from putting that dog of an Alpha Tauri in the top ten. I really think he would have scored points today. We'll get on to the fact that he didn't even start the race. But, um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and it needs to be said, like I said, the field spread was really close apart from uh, Lance Stroll. However, Dan, as you know, it might be because Lance Stroll isn't actually a Formula One driver. He's a, a tennis player. Is that correct? Why do we have to discuss such things at, at the very beginning? <laughs> <laughs> Because because no. the weekend started with him being not a very good F1 driver. It's yeah, again, we 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 said it about him. I'm pretty sure before, and many other drivers. At some point, the talent runs out, but your daddy's money doesn't. It's terrible, isn't it? Like it's. I'm not being funny, but the way uh, Albon's been driving, put him in the car. Just get rid of him. So I've been a. Uh defender of Lance Stroll for a long time. He is one of the youngest podium sitters ever, one of the youngest pole sitters ever. I've defended the talent for so long, but I can't see someone in in Aston Martin has to be brave enough to go and say, look, whatever was there, whatever spark or potential was there, he's never going to fulfil it at this point. And maybe it was never there in the first place. Maybe he was driving above or to his peak already when we thought we could get better. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done with it. Someone needs to speak to Lawrence Stroll. Um, you, you'd think that would fall to Mike Crack. But if it doesn't fall to Mike Crack, um, <laughs> then it might go to the real team principal. Stop laughing at Mike Crack, Tim. It's, it's so immature. Um, it isn't. It's, it, you, you, I'm laughing, but just off camera. Like, it's fucking hilarious. It, it really is. <laughs> it's All right. <pretty. laughs> But pretty much if crack can't force it out, then uh, it needs to fall to the real team principle, which is Fernando Alonso to say that Lawrence Stroll is not is not good enough. And he needs to say it to Lawrence Stroll and Lawrence Stroll needs to uh, get his son playing tennis quicker. Because but remember, um, Senor Alonso thinks that Lance has 
all the capabilities of becoming an F1 world champion. And I can't even finish that sentence properly. Tim, I'd say you had all the uh, capabilities of becoming a Formula One world champion if your dad paid my wages. The only way he has a chance of becoming an F1 champion is probably on a PlayStation 5, to be fair. That's it. Even if he can do that. I mean, he's always talked about how much he crashes at Casino on um, on Monaco. Famous interview that where he crashed in qualifying at that corner and said, oh, I always crash there on the PlayStation too. So shall we move on from uh, bashing Lance Stroll to, and qualifying to the actual race? Because as, you, as we've stated, Ferrari started one and three. Ferrari one and three, Red Bull one and four. Russell fifth and Albon. Hang on, hang on. And Mag- don't you mean Red Bull two and five? Sorry, what did I say? You said Red Bull one and four. Sorry, I assume <laughs> that Perez. I assume that Perez would have got the maximum out of the car. That's my fault. Oh no, um, no. I, I think he did. I think Russell just put in a stonking lap. Did okay. you just set yourself up to just give, just to give uh, him some abuse? Yes. I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Savage. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, Perez was fifth, um, but Albon, a magnificent sixth as well. Back-to-back sixth places on the grid. Yeah. Again, missing Van Voort, sixth and sixth. Sorry, yep. fourth and sixth, wasn't it? It was fourth at Van Voort. It was fourth at Van Voort. Yeah. Me getting my facts wrong now. Sorry. Van Voort seems like a long time ago. It does. But anyway, um, I, I'll admit I missed the first 10 or 11 laps of the race, so... Um, the only thing I, I picked up on was that the Nico Rosberg curse is real. And if he takes a photo of the start lights, the start lights don't work. And neither does Yuki Tsunoda. you just got to feel bad for him. Like, he had a decent show in. Like, he was, like, absolutely keen for the weekend. And then that's it. Just the car starts to smoke. You got to turn off. Like, the only good thing about Yuki going out is that it wasn't worked for our engine that blew up. Just a customer engine. It, yeah, it, it was bad for an Italian team to lose a car on the grid like that. Um, Dan, um, they're a um, Red Bull powertrains engine, not a Ferrari engine. I was getting onto that, Tim. But, <laughs> but no, but no they've got a fr- no, no, they're not, are they? Sorry, no, they used to be Ferrari engine. They are an Italian team. Cut all this shit out and I'll go again. No, let's leave it in just for your, just to uh, hear the people abuse you. <sighs> but it's like, guys, it's Sunday night. 12 minutes past nine. It's been a long day. I'm bold and it's been hot. My brain is fried. So you just have to forgive me. Didn't need all that information to know your brain is fried, but I've lost track of what. Yeah, yeah so, we, were talking, um, we were talking about Yuki yeah, Sonoda. So, yeah, um, genuinely, with how the race played out, he would have been ahead of Valtteri Bottas. I think we can all safely say that if he gets a, if he had a strategy that was better than last week. I, I, I dare say he would have, yeah, he, he would have he would have scored a point, maybe two, if he'd been in that race today. I agree with a point. I don't think two were in reach. And also, like you say, it's entirely because of the way the race played out, because we'll discuss an incident later in the podcast, which uh, it left poor Oscar Piastri in a bit of a, a bit of a mess. Yeah. So um, race began. Science got away very well. Um, very, very aggressive right off the start line, came straight to the right-hand side and blocked off Max, who'd actually got the slightly better launch, and Max had to get out of it. So brilliant defence from Science, and that, I think that was the theme of the race. Science defended really well for those first 18, 19 laps until he was overtaken. Yeah, I think it was like 15, wasn't it? 
or so, 15 laps. I think um, it was more than that. Seventeen. And to be fair, yeah. to be overtaken literally by outbreaking yourself and flat spotting your tyre and locking up, like, he was doing a fantastic job. I, I generally think if he didn't lock up, Max wouldn't have been able to pass him until a pit stop. He was covering Max right off. If we go by that logic that he wouldn't have passed Max until the pit stop, do we think he could have stayed ahead of Max if he if he doesn't lock up that one time? No, because Max would have undercut him. Um, there's no doubt about that. Even if they pitted on the same lap, Ferrari's pit stop was nowhere near as good as Verstappen's. Uh, I mean, the science pit stop was extra, wasn't it? The science pit stop was a second slower than the Leclerc pit stop, which is why Leclerc was right on signs as he came out of the pit lane. He drove phenomenally, though, like the, the whole race, but outstanding for those first, for those, for those first laps. Yeah, I mean, I'm biased here, but Science was definitely, in my opinion, the driver of the day. I oh, thought he, he, got it, he got it on the screen after the race, and even, even Crofty went, I 100% agree. So I, I think that was a unanimous, everyone there knew. And then... He's defending later in the race as well from from his own teammate, which uh, had, I'm sure, Ferrari fans everywhere, let alone at the circuit with their heart in their mouth every time they went into turn one. Because wouldn't it have been the most Ferrari of Ferrari things if they gave their drivers a quick car and a competitive car, they got pole position against all of the odds, and then they run for a podium at their home Grand Prix, and then they crash into each other on the last lap. That would have been the most Ferrari thing of all time. That's exactly it. I mean, the, even the message even came through on the second to lap, on the penultimate lap, which said, "Take no risks." And then what happens? Leclerc swerves left, right, left, or sorry, right, left, right, and um, he locks up. And I tell you what, there was a. A moment, there was a very, very strong heart and mouth moment from myself and me from both watching the race. She likes the club, I like signs. We enjoyed the battle, but when that happened, I looked at her going, That's Leclerc in a nutshell. That is the I am stupid moment. It would have been really upsetting if they had a, had collided properly and taken each other out, but it's like Tim said, that would have been the most Ferrari or Ferrari things to do have a quick car doing well and just balls it up on the last two laps with each other fighting for the last place on the podium. Well, I am going to give Ferrari credit because they let the drivers race and race each other hard. And I can't help but feel like um, team orders again. What's the point? (laughs) Because if that's the racing you get from two guys battling hard for that last spot on the podium, when you're a Ferrari driver, you want to be on that Monza podium. If there's one spot and one person is in the way and that's your teammate, you're going to fight them hard. And it was it was magnificent watching them race. Um, I'm glad it was Science defending against Leclerc because even though Science is borderline, I felt Leclerc's defending today was a little bit ropey, especially against Perez. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is, um, I think Science was on the limit. I think Leclerc defending against Perez maybe once or twice just went slightly over the limit. And we saw some people get penalties later on in the race, further back in the field. And it was a bit, I don't know, and again, inconsistency from the stewards. We, we say it all the time about the stewards. We've been saying it for years. One incident that's almost identical to another will be treated differently, depending on who's there and who's involved and what the overall outcome was, which isn't how it should be when you're talking about 
driver safety and driver standards, especially when you're going over 200 miles an hour into turn one at Monza? I have a suspicion on how the stewards actually stewards, right? So that little black ball that you get, the little eight ball with the liquid. Magic eight ball. Yeah, and and, and the little dice, they're like that. (laughs) Should we issue a penalty? Eight ball says no. That's literally it. Surely the the Italian does not look (laughs) favourable. It's like, surely the Italian Grand Prix, it just comes with the magic eight ball, just come back with the words, we are checking. Yeah, so what they're actually going to do is they're going to be checking it and then tomorrow they will give uh, everyone a penalty. Let's not go back to that. Let's not go back to that. That was a mess. We need to just get somebody to lodge a complaint and an investigation and then we can get it all looked at. I agree. The only people who get their way when they complain are Red Bull. And um, as Red Bull, who will come on to now? Previously, in another episode of the Formula One Fans UK podcast, um, Dan and Tim spoke about a uh, a record which Red Bull had broken uh, and called it a tainted record. Verstappen today, he uh, he became the first driver to ever win 10 races in a row. Toto Wolff called it a pointless record and uh, just a number for his Wikipedia page. Guys, is it another tainted record? I don't think so on this one. I think, yes, you can say that Nakara has been developed in the long run with funds that they shouldn't have had access to um but from the perspective of max verstappen he has made so few errors so few minimal moments across so many races and not just races the race weekends the qualifying sessions the practice sessions he has been on the limit and also not crossing the line and binning the car not you look at Zandvoort, the wet, the mixed conditions, the way he just kept his composure on late race restarts. Australia, the standing start with two laps to go. There are so many moments that Max Verstappen could have thrown away with even the slightest wheel on the wrong curb, wheel on the wrong wheel on the grass, contact with another driver if he made a pit stop or contact with his teammate when it was Perez in Miami. And he has been fine for 10 race weekends in a row. And I, I think this one actually does stand a lot more credit than the Red Bull race wins. Yeah, and it's it's not even like he's really had team orders to get the driver out of the way. I mean, what he did to Perez in Miami was humiliating. And if you're on Perez's side of the garage, he didn't recover that from that for a long, long time. It's a driver who, yes, like you say, the, the funds of the car in the long term, have come from an illicit catering source. And yes, it is a car that is built around one man and no other team really does that. But when you can drive flawlessly for 10 race weekends and, you know, only your only issues that you've missed out on a couple of pole positions. I mean, was it since mid-April, the guy has won every sprint race and every single Grand Prix. That's just mind boggling. And, uh, I blooming don't want it to continue because it's a case of I switch on the race and I go, oh, and so who's going to finish second today? Uh, Is Perez going to be able to extract the maximum from the car? Yes or no, because it will be Perez. If not, it could be anyone. But trying to be excited over the second place finishing a race when all the camera angles afterwards go Verstappen, Verstappen, Verstappen. It's uh, it's wearing thin, shall we say. 
Um, yeah. Dan, just your thoughts on on Verstappen's record-breaking Wikipedia-setting run. I really want to stick to the to my guns and say like it's a tainted record, but like like you guys said, you can't fault what he's done. Like he is an exceptional driver in a very exceptional car, I might add. But Mercedes haven't done it. Ferrari haven't done it. You know, you've got to hold your hand up and go all credit to the guy for managing to pull it off. And if Lewis and George had, George had done that, I'd bet it would, would have made a very different statement. They're just not willing to give Red Bull any credit or anything at the moment. Even Lewis in an interview snubbed Max with um, with his driving partners, didn't he? His, um, his teammates, say, Lewis was basically saying, like, I've had to race with multiple world champions. Who's Max race with? All great to Max. I don't think it's a record that's going to be broken anytime soon. So, yeah. But well done, Max, and well done, Red Bull. This is the thing. Hamilton did make that comment about who's Verstappen raced with. And you, you had to look at it like, OK, he had Carlos Sainz, um, and Sainz had horrible luck that season with reliability. He made a couple of mistakes, as did Verstappen. They were both in their rookie years. And he beat signs. Then you go on to, you know, the next season, he's moved into Red Bull in place of Kvyat. He is racing alongside Ricardo from that point onwards. Ricardo, in my opinion, always looked like he actually had the better of Verstappen in that car. But after the infamous Baku incident where the team decided to pick a side, but also pick the wrong side of that incident. Um, it was one that to this day, anyone who's not Dutch could see that it was an incident caused by Verstappen, but the fact that Red Bull would, you know, putting the blame on Ricardo, that relationship was damned from that point on. And, well, ever since then, they've been hopping between Albon, who wasn't ready, Gasly, who wasn't ready, and... Kvyat again. Kvyat again. And now we're at, well, we're at um, Perez, who you could argue is the most capable of all of them, apart from Ricardo, because... Ricardo, in those days at least, was a, a world champion pedigree driver. Perez is not a world champion pedigree driver. He was just the uh, the one we were just hoping would win and hoping could chance for Stappen. But he stood as much chance of being a champion as Valtteri Bottas did against like Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. In in terms of what we were saying about the record itself, from a neutral viewer perspective, you want to see someone else winning races, but. Is there any part of either of you, because I've had this thought, I don't think it's the stronger side of me, but there is a little part of me that maybe not Verstappen, but would want to see Red Bull, with, with the promise of a better season next season, Red Bull clean sweep this season. Because then you can say you've witnessed F1 perfection and Formula One history from a team in your lifetime and in your era where you've watched almost every race. I'd happily see Red Bull clean sweep the season because I think it would get them, you know, force their hand into changing a lot of the fundamental things that a lot of fans feel is wrong with Formula One. The fact that Red Bull have had such a dominance this season caused by the DRS, the, the Miami DRS was ridiculous. It was a case of, you know, it's 20 kilometres an hour. Yes, they fixed, they, they did it in a certain way, but the whole point of DRS was how DRS was working today, where it's supposed to put you in that position to be able to challenge for an overtake not that it should do the overtake for you and the fact that you could use DRS in qualifying is completely nullified you know a lot of sessions because you just go oh and it's got long straights and here goes Red Bull 
or it's a high drag track. Uh, everyone's going to be more heavy on the drag and heavier on the downforce. But here goes Red Bull with a DRS. You know, there's a headwind, Red Bull with a DRS. Done. Long term, been saying I don't like DRS and I'd rather have pushed the pass. And I feel like a clean sweep season would, you know, force the hand to go for push the pass. I think we also see always see the comp, like the comparisons of how cars have got bigger and how small cars used to be. It might force their hands towards that as well. You know, I just I feel like a quick clean sweep would set a fire under the arses of those who run Formula One because when you go to a sporting event, knowing the outcome, it's not as exciting and you know it's a lot harder to sell. They were saying that Hamilton always winning was going to damage this, like how many tickets you could sell. Well, now we're in a much worse position. Are we in a worse position though? Every race this season, pretty much, is still selling out. And with Max winning, and I hate to say it, but in the drive to survive era with the drive to survive fans, so many of the new fans are coming in as Max fans. We we as fans who have been there for years and years and remember a time before Verstappen dominance are obviously worrying about it and maybe not liking it as much as previous areas of dominance or just previous competitive seasons where other people have been involved. But F1 is a money-driven force and a money-driven sport more than as much, if not more than most sports. And you see this weekend, I know with Ferrari and the Tifosi, it's a bit different because, I mean, those people, the fact those people are still turning up to races is incredible given what they've been through in the last 15 years. <laughs> but I don't think it's damaging the sport as much as we might feel that our enjoyment of the sport is being damaged. As a race fan, obviously, like, you know, obviously we're a bit older than, than the drive to, drive to Survive fans that are coming in. Obviously, they're quite young. I've had my dominance with Lewis. And it did, it did get boring. Even as a Lewis fan, I was like, okay, I like him winning. I like him winning championships. Um, but you want to see the racing that we saw today. That's what you want as a race fan. You want that close racing. Obviously, that, that Red Bull dominance is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, we saw how much it went off in, in the Miami one, like you said, Reese, where it was like ridiculous. Um, but I think he only finished about six seconds ahead of um, his teammates today, didn't he? So, you know, a relatively close battle considering what it has been in the past. It was true I, management today. Yeah. True race management. My biggest concern for this race weekend was the tyre allocation for qualifying. The like you have to run this, this, and this. Like I, I said on the, on one of the last podcasts, like I, I didn't like it as a test. I didn't actually find it that bad. I, it was more encouraging than I previously had thought. On that note, it's pretty, it's pretty good. I'm all for the um for the tire ruling qualifying. Um, one from a sustainability point of view, it's it works, it makes sense. Two, we've seen two examples of it now with qualifying in Budapest and qualifying in Monza and both have been fantastic sessions. You know, that's when you think we saw sprint, we thought, well, sprint doesn't really work and they changed it. And this season sprint's been a lot better. You could argue there's room for improvement, but this qualifying format does seem to work. And if it is, I'm trying to think with the final, they've got what, one more race where they're trying this at Tim. Is that correct? Uh, it was yeah. going to be yeah. at Imola, but I don't, because but obviously because well, it was because it was three races it was Imola, Hungary and Monza. But I don't mm. know if they've rescheduled the Imola experiment somewhere else because obviously we didn't race at Imola. I have a feeling they have, but I couldn't tell you what what it is. Shall we move on to a team who 
any tires. They they could have had the old uh, hypersofts that from back in the day, and and it wouldn't have helped them today. Alpine, after the glory of last week, Alpine. It went from Le Plan to Alpine. It's always a case of one step forward, three steps back with Alpine this season. It's a constant source of frustration. Every time I feel like, oh, they might be decent this weekend, I end up putting one of them in my fantasy lineup. They screw me. And um, I mean, even when they put themselves in promising positions, they, they seem to find a way of messing it up. So, uh, I, so some... before before he got the boot, and I want to ask this, um, Otmar was campaigning to anyone who would listen in the pit lane that the Alpine engine is way below the power of the other three engines on the grid. And he was saying that there will be races at the end of the season that are going to prove this. And he wanted allowances to open up the engine restrictions to allow Alpine to what he he described as catch up with reliability. This weekend, if you ever wanted an example of where they're lacking. Isn't the only way that they can update these engines between now and 2025 is for reliability issues, right? They're not allowed to progress it, are they? Like, yes, unless like every other manufacturer type. and team agreed that one other team can do it, which they're never going to. Yeah, I oh, so. Who was it who used to say, I'm sure if it was a Charlie, it was Charlie Whiting, I think it was, who teams used to say, oh, we want to do this. It's going to make us faster. How can and oh, how? But how can we disguise disguise this? Just show a couple of these bits is broken, and and you can work your way around it. And it's probably that way of doing it still. I don't think there is with this rule set the, the homologation. I want to call it on the engines. Um, is a lot. It's, it's almost like a contract that they all signed that no one could update the actual pure performance side of the engine. And and peak and amend the peak performance that is possible from the engine. So um, Alpine have signed into that agreement up until the start of 2026. So it's basically a chastity belt for the engines, and they've obviously signed this agreement believing that they would be further along and more competitive than they are, obviously. And now they're not. They need to find a way to get around this rule because it is another DNF and a 15th is tragic. I think what's happened is because obviously they didn't have this performance deficit at places like Monza and Spa last season. Um, so what I suspect has happened is they found a way of having the engine with reliability to the top performance of the engine at the time that the rules were set. They thought they were competitive against every other team, but every other team was having to tone down their engine and have now found a way of turning up their engines with the reliability that Alpine had for their engine being peaked. So every other team has then moved above Alpine while still keeping their engines reliable, whereas Alpine were already at the limit when they were competitive. I think you're spot on, Tim. I think you're spot on. I think that's exactly what's happened. Um, And you know what? I I think when they signed that contract, they should have known that other teams were going to find ways to get more out of their existing engines. So as much as it sucks for Alpine on weekends like this, they agree to that. So no, I don't think the rule should be lifted for them. I want to bring it back to something I was talking about earlier, um, which was defending and overtaking at the second chicane. The penalty for Lewis Hamilton, was it justified? Yes. Was it strong enough? Yes. But does it prove a flaw with the way penalties are applied in Formula One? 
Yes, because I feel like you can outdrive a penalty. And it was the same with George Russell, really, um, today as well. And you can probably look at Checo in the instance he's in today. When he went off the track, he could have probably just stayed on, got a five-second time penalty for leaving the track and maintaining and gaining an advantage, and then just driven it and taken the fight and been much further ahead. I just wonder if the way penalties are applied in Formula 1 right now is the way to do it, because it seems like if you have a clear performance advantage, you might as well take the penalty and just outdrive it. Yeah, I'm starting to think that all penalties that involve a collision of some sort and, like, bad driving should be a stop-go penalty. A stop-go penalty? The thing, the thing is, though, there's, there's finding a balance, isn't there, about whether... Because a stop-go penalty is what... Let's say a five-second stop-go penalty today, you're going to be losing 26, 27 seconds of your race time. Yeah, I don't want that, to race destroy. extreme. But I just wonder if there's a better way of applying a penalty because if you can outdrive a penalty, you know. Yeah, but you so just add it to their pit stop. What? So, so yeah, but that's but you could serve a five second penalty added to your pit stop now and not have it added to your race time. And the idea of a stop go penalty is that you come in and you can't do any work on the car until yeah. it goes out yeah. back around the track again. Well, I'm all for a time penalty, and I feel like it does work when you still have to serve a pit stop. Because when you still have to serve a pit stop, I feel like it is going to inconvenience you because you have to put you have to push harder earlier in the race to make those five seconds if you need to hit a certain strategy window, a certain gap in the track. And that, you know, could lead to you having to pit earlier. It has a long knock on effect. But when it's just at the end of the race, your your fuel to go to the end, your tires are ready to go to the end, and you have a clear performance advantage over the car you impeded, you know, it it seems like it you can just outdrive the penalty. How about if you still have to serve your pit stop, you have to come into the pits, stop for five seconds, and then you can do your pit stop. If you don't have a pit stop or one, you know, like obviously if you have to do your mandatory pit stops, you have to have a drive through penalty. I feel that they need to, and don't get me wrong, I'm a, I'm a Lewis fan and I've defended him in places I shouldn't have defended him, but today he was in the wrong 100%. Unless there's an adequate consequence for your actions they're just going to keep doing it aren't they it just hit me you know what works tim the grand turismo method if you don't serve your penalty your time penalty gets doubled so if you had a pit you'd serve a five second penalty if you didn't pit again your time penalty would be doubled yeah that is one option um the other option which is it's motorbike, so it's still top-level motorsport um, for MotoGP. They have a rule this season that if you gain a position or gain an advantage by going off track in the last few laps of a race, you actually just get demoted one position in the field, regardless of what the time gap is to the next person behind you. And I feel like that would be there would be the problem again is this, it's whatever I feel like whatever system you gain. There's going to be instances where the penalty becomes too harsh and instances where the penalty is not enough. There's never going to be a perfect system. And maybe something like what Rita suggested, where if you if you don't have to pit again, your time penalty is doubled. Because what had happened if there had been, if, if there's a safety car, say, with 10 laps to go today. So say if that incident for Piastri has resulted in a safety car, Piastri's stuck at the side of the track, but Lewis is still going. Lewis gets a five-second penalty in that situation at the end of the race 
only a few laps after a safety car restart, he could have lost five, six, seven positions, which is going to be, in my opinion, too harsh for what he did against Piastri. With the fact that Piastri is going to continue, yes. But if Hamilton this is, uh, caused Piastri to retire, is it too harsh, the fact that but, he's but, going but to lose Stewart, But the stewards are told that their penalty is not allowed to take into account the results of the incident. It just has to be based on the driving that caused it. Well, I think it should. If your contact with a driver significantly impacts their race, i.e. you take them out of the race from your dangerous driving, your penalty should be harsher than, say, you know, if Lewis had backed out a little bit earlier, give him a little clip, you know, little, you know, little tiny little bit of damage, but yeah, fine. But if you're taking a car out and you're ruining their race weekend altogether, there should be a harsher penalty. Yeah, which I I fully agree with. Sorry, I'm just dealing with a massive monster spider. Oh, grow up. Run across right in front of me. I mean, you've moved to Scotland. I appear to have moved to fucking Australia. <laughs> fucking hell. Shall we move on from penalties? The Bottas, he got a point in that dog of an Alfa Romeo. Purely circumstantial, in my opinion. Um, had the Hamilton Piastri collision not happened, he never would have been, been within a chance of a, po- yeah, a point. But, but, but he had to be 11th and best of the rest to pick that point up. He was ahead of faster cars than him. Um, I will also say credit to the reliability of all the other drivers because what only Esteban Ocon failed to actually finish because Sonoda didn't start. Did Ocon yeah. retire? He did. Uh, yeah. Uh, very close to the end. I did not even. They didn't even mention it, did they? They did. Yeah, um, yeah they Ted, did. Too. Was it Ted? Mentioned, someone mentioned it in commentary. You wouldn't uh, notice because the only time you actually saw them, apart from apart from when they were being lapped. Well, did they get <laughs> lapped actually? Because I think I think Ocon a, had been lapped. I think for a large portion of the race, the only person who actually got lapped was K-Mac. Hulkenberg did his thing of going from 14th to 9th on lap one, or 13th to 9th with Sonoda not being there, and then slowly tumbling back down the order towards Magnussen. And if you watch, I think it's five of the last six races, there's been more than eight spaces between them, and they've ended up side by side out of the points. Uh, The race pace of that car... Hulkenberg started on hard tyres and was the first driver to pit. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to say that Hash this season, it seems like what they were trying to do last season, whilst they developed the car, was go from a car that had a decent qualifying pace but a poor race pace, and what they wanted to do was regain the race pace. But what they've actually done. Also, sorry, it was improved the race pace. But what they've actually done is improved the qualifying pace and hampered the race pace. Because it just seems like nowadays you can go see Hulkenberg qualify like top 14, 12, even ninth, gain places on the opening lap, and then just be overtaken by everyone as the race goes on. So they are the opposite of Williams because. What the Haas does is it generates too much downforce in the wrong areas, which kills the tyre. I don't know if it's to do with their aero package pushing air over the tyres. I'm not technically minded enough to, to, to look into the details of it and work it out. But they, they it, it's, a, it's a good car. It just kills its tyres on, on another level above the Ferrari. But it is a, I know they take some parts off Ferrari and it is a similar trait to the Ferrari of the last few years. They take off the Ferrari what you can take off the Ferrari. Nothing more. (laughs) 
Oh, we're going to get to super aguri levels of uh, taking it off the AR. It's, <laughs> it's okay. It, Gunter, it's okay. I have your back here. I know you're not stealing parts from Ferrari that you're not allowed to steal. But it's a Ferrari concept as well, isn't it? It's, it's uh, Everyone follows a concept. <laughs> Everyone follows a concept, whether it's the Red Bull concept or the Ferrari concepts. Or whatever or the fuck Alpine are doing this year. Whatever, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, you do have whatever Alpine are doing and whatever Mercedes are doing. But the thing is, the difference between whatever Alpine are doing and whatever Mercedes are doing is at least one of them knows what they're doing. The other one is French. <laughs> so that's uh, fucking savage. But no, I really do hope Mercedes know what they're doing because I'm fed up with this bullshit. <laughs> like, I, I can't, I can't. And all credit to Lewis and George because they get, you know, they are getting the best out of this car. But yeah. fuck me, mate. George has come uh, back how, yeah. in the summer break. How good is George? George, he, George is keen for it. Well, he was he the, he needed this because he was in a bad way before the summer break. His performances that I know not all of it was completely his fault, but Silverstone, Hungary, whatever came before Spa, that run of races, he was so out of it. He was off the pace in qualifying. He was making mistakes in practice sessions. He was making race errors and just not putting weekends together at all. And he has come out fighting at both Zandvoort and Monza, and he really needed it. Yeah, he's really improved since the summer break. And, I mean, one last bit of news I guess we do have to touch on is the uh, contract extension. 2024, 2025, that team is staying together. Do you think it's the right call from Hamilton to stick with Mercedes, or do you think he should have just tried a little bit of looking elsewhere, or do you think that's actually what he did? I think he wants a 2026 Mercedes, but he's given himself the option of a two-year contract instead of three to see if they're actually going to be decent in 2024 2025, because he'll he'll know whether the, that car is going to be any fucking good or not, and if it isn't, I reckon you're going to see him at the end of the 2025 season, mid-2025 season, looking for another drive if that Mercedes is not up to par. Do you think he would look for another drive or do you think he would retire? I think Dan's right. I think he's got the hunger for 2026 and that's why he's gone for 2025. So I think he would look for the other drive. 100%. He's not ready to be done yet. Like, I'm not being funny, mate. He's nowhere near broke. He doesn't need another 40 million to be taxed he's got more than enough it's not going to be taxed it's not going to be taxed a man, yeah, who, a man who's figuratively, private jet is registered on the isle of man and lives in switzerland yeah it, he's, he's going to be taxed fucking let him keep the money i don't give a shit but if he didn't think he could race be competitive and have the hunger i don't think he'd be in a race car i truly believe he is not there to make up numbers i agree so with that, I'll just say one thing. Whether you watch the race or miss the race, you can always see the best version of the race, or the best version of the track, shall I say, as a form of 3D printed track wall art. And that comes from our show sponsor, Apex Tracks. So for all your 3D printed track wall art needs, head to apextracks.com. That's A-P-E-X-T-R-A-X-S dot com. Can I clap? Yep, it's a little clap for Reese. Well done, Reese. Thank you. Uh, I also just want to issue an apology to a couple of people out there who, uh, yeah, you, I have, I am aware there's a couple of competition winners out there who have not messaged yet. Uh, been very busy. We'll message you, and we'll get your prizes sorted and sent to you. 
Um, with that, is there anything else anyone wants to talk about? Um, Tim, no, no therapy. I was gonna, I was going to. Uh, we'll just give an honourable mention to Alex Albon, back to back seventh places in two weekends, or a seventh place and an eighth place in two weekends um, at two very different circuits. He's doing a George Russell. He's wringing the neck of that Williams. But what is great to see is it wasn't at Spa and Monza. It was at Zandvoort and Monza. And I think that is the real testament to how well he is driving, that, that he got that Williams to points at a circuit that we know doesn't suit the base concept of this generation of Williams. That is very, very, very true. He is uh, definitely getting the best out of that car, best his teammate. Yes, um, which might be a discussion for another podcast where I'm sure at some point we will discuss Williams in depth because it's really interesting where they go from here. I think at some point we need to discuss super license points and, you know, like we did last time with the possible possible driver pool for next year and yeah. the year after. We've got a few things to talk about. But until then, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And, uh, well, if you like what you've heard, then check out our link or check out the link in the of this podcast which can direct you to our facebook group facebook chat discord twitter sorry x uh threads instagram anything like that um until next time thank you very much for listening cheerio guys bye see you later guys